Well, good morning. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Uh, if you have your Bibles, would you meet me in Matthew chapter 5? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 is where we will be in God's Word together this morning. And as Daniel said, I'm Evan. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central and so glad to be able uh, to, to gather together uh, this morning. Um, if you're hot, that's not the glory of the Lord. The AC is having some issues, okay? So, you know, utilize those fans that are in the foyer, but uh, that, that'll help you stay awake, maybe. Unless it's like a cozy blanket, then we're going to pray. Um, if this is your first time with us, we've been in a series called On Being the Church. Uh, On Being the Church, where we've looked at uh, various passages uh, in Scripture that have uh, been descriptions of uh, what the, the church is, who the church is. Uh, and in so doing, uh, we, uh, we hear the Lord's call uh, to live more and more into who Christ says about us. And so this morning, we're, we're going to, to consider Jesus' words when he calls his church salt and light. So if you're, if you're able, I want to invite you to stand as we read Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, I feel my, my helplessness in this moment. Lord, if less the Lord builds the house, we who labor, labor in vain. But God, thank you that when we open your word, you open your mouth, you speak to us. Lord, I, I ask that as I speak to the ear, you would speak to the heart and transform lives. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In 2015, uh, Allstate launched a commercial campaign for their website, eSurance. These uh, commercials were, were very interesting. You would see commercial after commercial, and uh, there would be these characters that were uh, doing these, these things, and, and they, were, they were sort of filling the role, but, but not quite, and, and people that were encountering them in these scenes were very confused. And, uh, 
Uh, it's always hilarious to watch. There's, there's one commercial where uh, there's a construction zone and uh, the crane is going, it's knocking everything over, messing everything up, and a construction worker comes and he's looking for his coworker Marge. And he looks in there, it's, it's a, uh, a beauty pageant queen. And he says, uh, you're not Marge. And the, uh, the, the pageant queen responds back, I- I'm sort of Marge. Uh, we, uh, we, we both drive a stick. Uh, we, we both like to save money. And we both think it's really important to have integrity and hope for world peace. In, in another commercial, there's this couple, and they're in the hospital, and, and they're, they're going into labor. They're about to have their baby. And, and uh, uh, Buster Posey comes in, MLB baseball player comes in and says, who's ready to have a baby? And the couple says, you're, you're not our doctor. And the buster responds, I, I'm, I'm sort of your doctor. Uh, we, we both wear a glove, and, and, and we both come through on, on delivery in the clutch. My, my favorite commercial is a lady comes in, looking in the ph- she goes to a pharmacy, she's looking for uh, her pharmacist, and, and, and Walter White from Breaking Bad pops up from behind the counter. And, and she says, you're not my pharmacist, Greg. And then Walter White says, I'm sort of Greg. Uh, we, we both used to drive a Pontiac. We're, we're both over the age of 50, and we both have a lot of experience with drugs. I mean, pharmaceuticals. Commercial after commercial of, of seeing these, these people stepping into these roles and they're, they're, they're sort of in the role but, but not quite fitting. And then uh, insurance comes in and says, get the service that works for you because sort of you isn't you. Sort of you isn't you. We're preaching a series on being the church. People are struggling in a pronounced way in this moment of asking questions on what does it mean to be the church. And it's important in this moment and in general to to be clear that that we are the family, that, that we are the temple, that we are the body of Christ. It's important to be clear about that because there's all kinds of uh, opinions. There's a cacophony of of experiences about the church, and sort of church isn't church. And and we might want to point to to this trend or or this latest cause and say, this is what it means to be the church. Uh, and, And if people would just think the same way that I do, then we would really be the church. The church would be better. There's a lot swirling, a lot of opinions, a lot of suspicion about the church. And and all of that, it's easy to be tossed to and fro and be reactionary. And in all of that, we need a tether. It's important to to, to be clear. We need need a, a clear call what it means to be the church in the midst of the cacophony. And the word of the Lord is that tether. This morning, we... We hear the call from the Lord, Jesus saying about the church, you are salt and you are light. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, he is preaching in what many call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, we see the longest recorded sermon that Jesus ever preaches. And uh, in this sermon, he's 
addressing a variety of ways that churches, the church should live, that Christians should live. And he ends his sermon in chapter 7, verse 24, saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Most of the sermon is addressing what the church should do, what Christians should do. But he begins the sermon in chapter 5, 1 through 16, addressing who the church is. And he, and he situates the Christian life as it should be. Uh, because who, uh, how we live, it is the outworking of what we believe about who we are. So Jesus starts with, this is who you are. And live out of that. In the first 12 verses, we, we see the, the list of the Beatitudes, the, the, the list of uh, the blessedness of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones calls these uh, searching scriptures that, that, that search our souls and, and show us where the Holy Spirit is working within us, but also exposes where we need work more in being a peacemaker and being meek and being poor in spirit. And then we get to verse 13. After this list, the Beatitudes of what, who we are as Christians, and, and, and he says very pointedly, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A definitive statement. Some scholars say it's an emphatic statement. This is what is true of you, disciple of Jesus Christ. Christian, you are salt and light. And part of what it means to be the church is that we are called to impact the world around us. But it's not just a calling, is it? It's a reality. You are salt. You are light. Salt and light were were common vital necessities in the ancient world and today. Uh, salt was used for taste. That's why Jesus is talking about losing taste. But it was also used as a preservative for meat and food. Light, very obviously, was used to help people see. A need we still have today. And Jesus uses these to describe us. How powerful. This is what is true of the church. When Jesus speaks over you, Who you are, that is so powerful. It reminds me of the movie Incredibles. Don't judge me. I got a three-year-old in my house. We watch a lot of Disney. Uh, I'm just playing. I watched it before she was even born. The Incredibles is a great movie. Go ahead and be honest. Uh, It it reminds me of the movie Incredibles. Um, There's a scene in the movie Incredibles, the first one, uh, where one of the main characters, the the mom of this superhero family, she's uh, having a meltdown over something going on in her life, character Helen. And and Edna, uh, the the seamstress for all superhero suits and a mentor to this woman, she she loses her cool and she, she jumps on the table and says, what are you talking about? You are Elastigirl. Pull yourself together. Hits her over the head with the newspaper. (laughs) And in that moment, she's making a declaration. This is who you are. And what you should be doing should be in alignment with who you are. You are Elastigirl. There's power in naming who you are. 
1968, 1,300 sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee began a strike demanding better pay and better working conditions. And as protesters went into the street, they, they wore sandwich boards. And, and as they marched in the streets, these sandwich boards said something simple, I am a man. Simple words. Demanding to be treated with dignity. And this sign became the rallying cry for this movement. Why? Because who you are should align with how you are treated. I am a man. There's power in naming who you are. Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. And how you show up in this world should be in alignment with what I have said about you, about who you are. And, and here's the, the implication of the metaphor. The implication of the metaphor is that the world and or this earth is full of decay and darkness, right? Because salt addresses decay, light addresses darkness. So make that declaration, it says around you is, is darkness and decay. And Jesus didn't even try to make a case for it. He just says it matter-of-factly. He, he says, if you're going to be in this world around you, I, I'm calling you to be present with it, but distinct from it. I'm calling you to, to preserve and to shine in it. And this, this decay and this, and this, this darkness, it's, it's not really a, a hard sell for many of you. you. You feel it, don't you? You see it, don't you? I mean, the longer I live, the, the more I see the complexity of darkness and decay all around me and within me. I mean, I mean, that's why we're, we're talking about these community development initiatives. There's decay and, and darkness in, in housing and adoption and foster care and in, in education. There's something in these areas that needs salt and light of Christ. And the church is trying to move towards that. And so we're also thankful for, for partners uh, in the community, they're representing this church, World Relief, Justice Matters, Hope International, and the list goes on and on of the ministries that are represented in this very church and in our community. And the tragic beauty, it comes from realizing that there is some kind of decay, some kind of darkness, and the church is needed. But I, I hear somebody's thoughts. But Evan, the church isn't doing enough. You ever heard anything like that? Maybe that's a thought in your own head. The, the church is not doing enough. The church should be doing more. It should be doing better. It should be doing things differently. And you're right. That is so true. The church, we, we don't always live up to our identity in Christ. Uh, you see this decay and darkness in this direction and, and in that direction, and you're convinced that if we were in this direction and, and that direction, then we would really be the church. But the reality is we, we all preach a better gospel than we live. Somebody missed that. I, I said 
we all preach a better gospel than we live. And, and, and here's what I love about Jesus. I, I, I love that, that, that Jesus, when, when, when he sees that we are being faithless, he remains faithful. That when we fall short of how we should be, he does not give up on us. I'm so glad Jesus is Lord. I'm glad Jesus is Lord and not you or me. Because I would have given up on me a long time ago. Like, I, I need grace. Like, it's not just a quirky thing that's a nice add-on. Like, I, I need grace. And I would have given up on me a long time ago. But Jesus is never exhausted by me. He never gives up on me. And when I am wayward, he pursues me. And he does not treat me according to my sins deserve, nor according to my iniquities. He stays present with me, pursues me, and he does the same with the church. And when the church is wayward, he still cares about this world and its decay and darkness. And he still calls us to move forward. He doesn't have a plan B. People would try to say it, but he doesn't have a plan B. He's called the church to live into its identity. It kind of reminds me of, of buttons on the shirt. Y'all ever had that moment uh, when you button in your shirt? Like the top button is key when you button in your shirt. Uh, Y'all ever had that time when you button in your shirt and you get to the bottom of it and there's like two or three buttons that don't have a hole and you're like, what happened here? And you go on, the worst is my six-month-old son with his onesies. Like, these, these button onesies be stressing me out. Give me the zip-up. Because every time, it seems like every time I put this onesie on him, I get to the end of it, and there's always like two or three buttons. And I'm convinced it's the onesie. They made the onesie wrong. There's something wrong with the manufacturer. It's just got, a, it's got some extra holes on it. I can't do it. But no, you, what do you do? You, you, you see that it's out of alignment, and you, and you go back and do the arduous work of unbuttoning. And, 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 that, and in that, that, that top button... That's key. If the top button is not in alignment, nowhere else is going to be in alignment. Jesus is our top button. What, what he says is what goes. And the reality is, from time to time, maybe even right now, our lives are out of alignment. And we, we, we're trying to put the buttons back, and we're seeing this out of alignment. But the wonderful beauty of the gospel is, is that he still calls us back. Just redo the buttons. Just get to the top and keep doing it again and again. Persist. Stay with you. You'll get there. Because he's the top. We are not self-made. We are not self-defined. Jesus is the top of the button. And the more you refuse to acknowledge that, the more the, uh, being out of alignment will persist. And you ought to rejoice in that anyway, because anything you make is going to be a cheap counterfeit. What Jesus makes is the best design for you. And that's what he says about the church. He makes this declaration. He, he, he stands on top of the proverbial table and he says, you are salt and light. Pull yourself together. But I'm so thankful that that does not depend on me. That depends on a good God that does good things. But in this declaration, he, he offers a, a rationale. Uh, he, he gives somewhat of a, of a caution. He talks about salt and he says, if salt has lost its taste, how will the salt be restored? It's, 
You got to throw it out. Similarly, with the light, you don't, you don't light a lamp and, and hide it. The city can't be hide or hidden. And what's going on here is, is Jesus is he, he's speaking hyperbolically, much like he does in, in several places in this sermon. Because salt can't really lose its taste. It's, it's a stable compound. But, but salt can, be, can lose its purity if salt is, is mixed with, with other minerals. Jesus is saying, don't, don't mix your identity. Don't, don't mix with the world. Don't, don't try to blend in. There, there's never enough toning down you can do to really fit in. You are distinct. You are separate. The only thing you'll do is dilute your identity and bring corruption. You, you don't want to use the world to bless the world. Jesus is saying, don't, don't, don't compromise. You are the salt. You were designed for something else. Light. Doesn't make sense to hide it. Cities, they, in the night sky, they would, they would light up the world. Travelers or people who are lost, they, they could see uh, the city miles away and it would, it would help guide them on their path. So it didn't make sense to try to hide a city. It didn't make sense to turn on the light and then cover it. Jesus is saying, don't hide who you are. You are meant to shine and preserve. And I struggle with that. Even as a pastor, I struggle with that. I'm always tempted to tone it down as much as I can so that I could fit in. I don't, I don't want to get the stares, the mean tweets, whatever. It, uh, it, was, it was interesting. Last week I was uh, speaking at a conference, and um, a friend of mine, we, whenever we minister together, we usually do what's called tough, time, uh, tough questions time, where we uh, allow, it was a conference for college students, and we, we let college students come, and they, they ask kind of whatever questions they want. Uh, whatever's kind of on their mind, and we answer those questions. And we've been doing this for over 10 years together. Uh, and it's interesting how unoriginal college students' questions are. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not throwing any shade. I'm just saying in 10 years of doing tough questions time, students have asked the same questions over and over again in various ways. And it's always funny to see the college student that thinks they're cutting edge because they're asking a question that they think is, is new under the sun. But we love having these questions because it shows that they're, they're engaging and seeking truth and trying to understand uh, and, and I noticed, and they ask all kinds of questions, sexual ethics, Jesus exclusivity, is the Bible reliable, all this stuff. And, and my friend, who, who's known for being very gentle, he's a gentle man, he was, he was just talking very directly about it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is what the scripture says. This is what the Bible says about sexuality. And I, and I found myself shrinking, <laughs> saying like, oh, what are they going to say when you say that? Oh, that seems sharp. And I remember uh, turning to him and saying, man, you were really going there. Like, that was really good. Uh, and and I, I'll never forget what he says. He says, I, I don't want to be embarrassed about what God said is true and what he says is good for human flourishing. I never want to be embarrassed about that. I, I, I want to I I say it. As a Christian, if he says this, I, I want to believe that it's actually good. And shrinking from that does not actually help these students. That was such a helpful challenge and reminder. Because the kingdom of heaven is, is not the same as the kingdom of the world. And trying to hide 
trying to mix, it's not going to actually change that. We are distinctly different. And Jesus' words are actually a comfort for me when he challenges here. Because that says to me, he's naming it. That struggle is there for the church. We, we are constantly tempted to try to blend in or try to hide. That's the struggle. We struggle to want to be like the world in some twisted notion of fitting in, or we struggle with, with hiding from the world in some twisted notion of self-protection. We, 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 we see it, don't we? And we don't know what, what Jesus had in mind when he said this. Uh, maybe he had in mind the Pharisees that resorted to, to hiding in their separatist elitism. Uh, maybe he had in mind the tax collectors who resorted to adopting the political and cultural ethics of the Roman government. We don't, we don't know exactly who he had in mind, but what we do know is that uh, what leads him to say this is he understands there's a temptation and he calls us out. This is what it means to be a disciple. This is who you are. Therefore, verse 16, he says, let your light shine so that others would see and that they would glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the formula. Uh, Good works, be seen plus be seen equals God's glory. Simple, right? Do you feel attention about that? Let your light shine before others so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You, 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 I feel the tension and you, and you see it kind of expressed more and more when you widen the gaze from the passage into the whole sermon on the mount. And, and you see it in, in, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 and you see it in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1. In, in Matthew 5 11, Jesus says, uh, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Do you feel the tension yet? Matthew 6, 1, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Do do you feel the, the tension yet? Jesus says, let your light shine. Don't just let it shine so that other people will see. And when they see, they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. That would be a nice formula. That would be a wonderful program. Wouldn't it be great if you knew that every time you shared your faith, they'd be like, oh, praise God. This. Oh, wow, you do this for Jesus? Oh, hallelujah. They don't do that, do they? The, the tension that I feel from Matthew 5.11 is the tension of if I let my light shine, the response might be reviling, persecution, and hatred. And Jesus, you said, I'm blessed if that happens. It's a tension of results. They might not give glory to your Father. The tension of Matthew 6, 1, don't don't practice your righteousness. Don't be self-centered in doing your good works. But Jesus, you said, let your light shine so that people will see. What if my motivations are not God-centered? What if they're self-centered? I feel that tension from this command. How do we resolve that? 
If I let my light shine, is it from pure motives? If I let my light shine, will they give glory to my Father who is in heaven? Maybe. Maybe not. So, so should I wait until I feel clear about the results and the motivations? <laughs> I think you already know the answer to that question. That's, that's the tension of the text. That, that's the tension of the gospel, that, that God calls imperfect people to his perfect mission. That, that the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice and restoration. It's going to happen, and he invites us into that, and we don't always get to decide the results or our motivations because we're being sanctified. So, so we see things like Hebrews 12, that, that he is the, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We, we see things like Philippians 2, that it is the Lord that works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Is it my will or is it God's will? Yes. That's the tension of the text, motivations and results. But, but, but here, here's really where the tether is. Real, real simple statement that Jesus says, your father is in heaven. Oh, you missed it. It sent chills down my back. <laughs> you're, you're, you're trying to figure out, am, am I being good songs? Am I being good light? Am I being good at being the church? The church is it's being criticized. I don't know. I often want to disassociate because it's a mess. Am I doing this for the right reasons? All the thoughts and all the struggles. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus says, don't forget, he's still your father in heaven. That has not changed. My son, he's, he's trying to figure out how to crawl. He's six months old. It's a mess. It's hilarious to watch. I try not to laugh at him. Well, I guess I don't know. He might not have his feelings hurt. But it's just hilarious to watch. He doesn't always do it right. My daughter, she, she doesn't always get it right. But what does not change is I am their father. That should be our tether. That should be our, our launching pad. It doesn't change. You are salt and you are light. And the moon, it, it reflects light. It's beautiful, but it reflects the light of the sun. It's derivative. It's not ever about us. Jesus, you're the center of it all. All to Jesus. I like how Madeline Engel says it. We draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. That's all. Salt and light, they function merely as, as presence, not as pressure. Light is never fighting to overtake darkness. Saul is never fighting to overtake decay. It just shows up. May it be so that we would show up. That we would show up in all the places in this community and in this world. And when fear overtakes us, when the temptation to hide and compromise overtakes us, that we would come back to the source. That we, that we would come back 
to the one who really speaks over us, our Father who is in heaven, so that we would not just be sort of church, but that we would be the church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we struggle in this moment to know how to live into our identity in you. This is what you say of us. And Lord, we, we wrestle. Lord, there's someone here that, that, that is even having a hard time that we're even going through a sermon series like this because there's some big questions about church, some big struggles, and there's some temptation to want to hide, to want to just blend in. Lord, I, I feel that. I feel that in my own soul. Lord, thank you that you still hold out for us. You still speak over us your truth. And you want to tether us to the fact that our Father is in heaven. And he delights in us, even in our wrestlings. Would you help us to know how to live into that? In Jesus' name, amen.